The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to another Rebel Alliance Media Podcast. As always, in Garage Mahal, it's Pootie and P. Nate, helping you engage culture with a biblical worldview. Nate, you look a little tired, my friend. How you doing this week? I am, I am a little bit tired. Uh, yeah, we have a couple of sick kids at home, so it's been a long week. But truth is, it's been longer for my wife, so I'm thankful that she still lets me come out and record <laughs> and stays home with sick kids. So, uh, yeah, she's a saint. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Um, yeah, so. Uh, How about you? How's your week been? Better than it deserves to be. Let's be honest. I, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I don't have any sick kids at home, so plus one at the childless, I guess, <laughs> in this situation. Uh, but I'm doing okay. I can't complain. When you look as tired as you do, I, I feel bad. Just you saying. know what though? Behind the tiredness and the uh, uh, what might be perceived as unhappiness is a joy of obedience so <laughs> listeners be fruitful and multiply <laughs> having kids is would, still so worth I it i just got so burned on, uh, on national okay. radio uh so let's jump into uh rebel news because there's some stuff that i do want to talk about not so much about the uh the puking kids at home but more so i want to talk about um the women's march so uh, i don't know if you saw any of this stuff so uh this past week there was not only the uh the women's march for women's rights um, which always these days in America turns into uh, anti-Trump marches. Yeah. Um, but then there's also the Right to Life march, um, which, uh, which is it's just interesting to contrast the two, right? And, uh, and what I find so interesting is that um, the, the signs at a lot of the Women's March one just drive me nuts um, because a lot of them have to do with, you know, get your hands off my body and all that kind of stuff. And... In terms of abortion, right? Because they're looking at, you know, their right to abortion as it's my body, my choice. And what's just so interesting to me is that here's all these women who are marching to talk about how marginalized they are and, and talk about the pay gap and, and all this kind of stuff. They're all marching. They are all writing signs, right? So they've, they, they're, they're in a country that has allowed them to get educated. They can, they can read. They can write. They can make signs. They can um, have their voices heard. And, and, and they're, they're advocating for abortion. And then here's this, this uh, other march for life, literally giving a voice to the voiceless. Because all of, those, uh, all of the unborn who have been slaughtered in the womb didn't get a chance to march in any sort of march. And actually, uh, give props to uh, the Babylon Bee who we've talked about before, because I think they nail it a lot of times. And Babylon Bee uh, was talking about how um, a survey shows that 100% of the women uh, marching for women's rights were not aborted as a baby. 
<laughs> right? And, and like, you know, what a, what a, what a fantastic uh, satirical post to put out there. But that is the point, right? So you can, you can march and you can talk about women's rights and you can protest Trump and you can do all that stuff because you weren't aborted as a baby. And I think that's, that, that was just such a powerful reality check. And so contrasting the two marches is, is, uh, is really interesting. Yeah, it blows my mind, though, like the idea of the signs. And the one I just, as you were speaking, I just Googled some of the signs. Yeah. And my body, my choice. Right. As it seems to be mainly the prevalent one. Yeah. And it's, it just makes me cringe because I'm like, how can you hold a sign up that says my body, my choice? And I get what you're trying to convey, but at the same time, think about the fact that you're killing a child that now can't put that same sign up later. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, well, what about their body, their choice? What right. they, nobody chooses death. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, especially when you haven't even been born yet, right? It's like, yeah. um, it's one of those things that just blows my mind that you can't see the, the contradiction in, yeah. in realities. It's, it's, it's absolutely infuriating. Totally. Totally. I would just encourage any of our listeners, last couple of episodes that we've done, we did one called the truth apocalypse and we kind of highlighted a lot of the inconsistencies in kind of the secular humanistic worldview. And, uh, and this was, this was a big one, right? Is this idea that, uh, women are, uh, protesting that they ought to be, uh, protected and their rights ought to be preserved. Uh, and yet what they don't see is that the slaughter of unborn children means that, you know, half the women or half of the babies that are ripped apart in the womb are female. Right. And so they're they're women who obviously aren't caught up in in women's rights movements uh, and whose uh, whose rights aren't considered. Uh, the other thing I just want to touch on in our news uh, segment here is uh, here here in Ontario. So for any of our listeners who aren't from Canada, uh, Ontario increased its minimum wage by by like four bucks, right? Like it went up to uh, $14 an hour. I think it's $14 an hour now, and then it goes up to 15 next yeah, year. next year. And so, and this was a huge increase. Yeah, um, like, it, like, yeah, like 35% or something Yeah, like something that. crazy. Um, and so, so that happened on January 1st. So here we are near the end of January uh, when we're recording this. And, uh, and so I just wanted to let you know, some numbers are in. Uh, since the, uh, since the minimum wage increase, 60,000 jobs in Ontario have been lost in, in 23 days, in 23 days, 60,000 jobs in Ontario have been lost and 1200 government jobs have been created. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Can't so be, can't you know, so our, our premier premier of Ontario, Kathleen Wynne, who I think is, is downright evil. I'll, I'll just, I'll actually just say that. Um, and, but she has, uh, created 1200 government jobs. Mostly, most of those jobs are to investigate businesses to make sure that they aren't cir- circumventing minimum wage laws. So, so they increase the minimum wage, 60,000 regular Ontario workers are out of work and 1200 government jobs have been created in order to investigate small businesses to make sure that they're not circumventing the new minimum wage laws. This is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. This is what happens when a liberal government gets into power who believes that they can that they can solve everything by increasing minimum wages, increasing taxes. This is this is what happens because they have no economic strategy. It's just get us elected the next time out. Yeah, they there's no long-term economic strategy. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's unbelievably bad bad planning too. I'm not an by any means um, an expert in the economy 
or anything like that. But I can, I, even I can look at these things and see the, the stupidity here. Yeah. If you're putting 60,000 people out of work in your province. Yeah. Um, so for our American listeners, the province is a state. Just, um, <laughs> just assuming you guys maybe don't know that or Fair anything. Enough. But if you put 60,000 people out of work in Ontario, we have, we have unemployment insurance, which means we pay in every month on our paychecks for unemployment, which means that 60,000 people are now on unemployment, yeah. which means the government is now paying them to not work, um, which means that our government's now funding them to not work, which means all the which people who are we're funding exactly them. <laughs> all the people who are still working are now having more of our tax dollars go to fund unemployment, which means we can't improve roads to create the jobs that get these people back to work. We yeah. can't put money back into the economy to get these people back to work because you just put them out of work. It's, it's a circle that doesn't ever end. Welcome to Ontario where we're sliding into Lake Huron. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, it to is. Me. It's brutal. It's brutal. Um, so have you noticed any big changes in the prices? I, I noticed I went and got to breakfast. The yeah. Other yeah. Week. So we're, we're part of the same, uh, early morning prayer breakfast. And, uh, so we, we pray, study a Psalm and then we go out to breakfast and yeah, I, so we used to go somewhere where it was basically six dollars uh, for a breakfast that included a coffee. You pay your tax, and you, which is already ridiculous in Ontario, and you tip your server, and you still have had breakfast for you know ten bucks. And now um, it costs. Uh, so now they've uh, not only increased the price of breakfast, but they've also um, coffee is no longer included in the breakfast. So now what cost us seven dollars and eleven cents plus tip? now costs eleven dollars and thirty seven cents plus plus tip yeah and it's not we're not we're not upset about the the no, business no, doing I, they have no choice yeah it's all because yeah. they've raised and our minimum server wage. who's been serving the same uh six guys for um a couple of years now uh she just said well you know we, we had to do something because the minimum wage is really hurting small business like this yeah yep her her the the cut yep <laughs> exactly the business's option was to let go of an of employees or raise prices or raise That's the it. prices That's and they chose to raise the prices yep. rather than letting those which people i appreciate go. But exactly yeah and i'll uh, pay it but i'm not happy about it not happy about <laughs> it and and the truth is uh, other places like other things in my life are gonna have to be sacrificed for the extra you know four dollars a week i spend on that breakfast yeah so exactly uh boy um okay so uh we actually uh have a uh, a fantastic interview lined up today and i know you weren't here for this interview I'm very upset i know this. Um, but, uh, but I, we had the privilege of having, uh, Toby Sumter on, uh, for those of you who have never heard that name, Toby Sumter is a pastor in Moscow, Idaho. He's a pastor of Trinity Reformed Church. He's also the author of Bloodbot World, uh, which is kind of what we talk about, although the conversation goes into, uh, some, some other realms. Uh, he's also a, uh, uh, podcast host of a very popular podcast called Cross Politic. Um, and so we, I would recommend that book, Bloodbot World, to you. I would recommend to you his sermons at Trinity Reformed Baptist Church or Trinity Reformed Church. He'd actually shoot me if you heard me call him a Baptist. Um, and uh, and then uh, listen to Cross Politics. So and he's American, so he's probably packing. <laughs> he's definitely yeah, open carry state. I think Idaho is. Um, so anyway, but Toby Sumter, we just had a phen phenomenal interview. I'm sorry, Pooty, that you had to miss it. Um, but uh, but I want you to listen to this because he was awesome. So uh, just as we go into break here uh when we come back we'll have toby sumter with us um but uh but what uh we want to say just as we go into break is uh we are proud members of the berean media network uh we have uh, a, a group of four podcasts uh there's ourselves
themselves. There's the Two Thieves out of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, there's also uh, the Front Pew Podcast, which is a podcast by pastors for pastors. that comes out on Monday. And then there is our friends, uh, the Layman's Cup that comes out on Mondays. And here's a little word as we go into break from our friends, the, the uh, Layman. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Rebel Alliance Media. Uh, and if you really love them, you'll really, really probably sort of maybe like us we are the layman's cup podcast and we are four guys seeking the truth one sip at a time i'm kemp and i'm alongside bob sims everybody hey everybody my man sean what's up and last but not least say what's up to the people wes hey what's up people again we are the layman's cup podcast and we are glad you guys are listening to the rebel alliance but we really really want you to listen to us layman's cup podcast Welcome to the show, Toby. Um, we have with us today Toby Sumter, who is the pastor of Trinity Reformed Church in Moscow, Idaho, uh, one of the hosts of Cross Politic. Uh, he has a blog uh, that he regularly blogs on called Having Two Legs, which I think is a, a Chesterton uh, tip of the hat. And uh, uh, you're also a, a professor. What, what am I missing here, Toby? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Other stuff. Other stuff. Awesome. I have a wife and four kids. A wife and four kids. I'll, uh, I can uh, I can imagine you live a re- relatively busy life then. I, st- I stay busy. There's, there's yeah. uh, relatively few dull moments. What, uh, what ages are your kids? Uh, my oldest uh, son is uh, 13, and then I have two daughters uh, thir- uh, who are 11 and 9, and then my youngest son is 6. Nice. Nice. Well... God's bless you, and uh, and you have been a blessing uh, not only to uh, Chris and I who uh, who run Rebel Alliance here, but to a lot of people through some of the stuff you're doing. And today we just wanted to get a chance to kind of plug this book, which I just finished reading. It's it's your book. It's not your first book, it's your uh, but uh, this one that I just read called Bloodbot World. Yeah. Uh, so this just came out a few months ago. Um, you know, it actually came out I think almost a year ago, um, but. Uh um, but yeah, it's, I've been really grateful. Actually, it seems like for some reason in the last few months, it's gotten a little bit more, uh, publicity. So I'm, nice. I'm really grateful for that. Well, I'm, I'm grateful to have picked it up myself. Uh, I was really challenged by this book. I actually just gave it to a couple of my elders and, uh, and one of them I was just talking to on Sunday, I asked him how he was enjoying it. And he said, I feel like I'm getting punched in the gut every chapter. <laughs> and I, so I think that's a compliment. I think that's yes, a good thing. Yes. That was, that was the idea. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. So, um, so just for some of our listeners who haven't picked up this book yet, I want to tell you number one, to pick up the book. Um, but I just kind of want to go through and I want to get you just talking about some of the topics in the book, because I think, uh, you just kind of talking through it will not only help us kind of figure out what the book is about, but I think it'll be really, really helpful and really practical. So I, I think this book is just so f- chock full of ways to equip Christians to engage the culture around them. And that's really what we try to do here on the podcast. Yeah. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about is um, early on in the book, you kind of talk about how we don't really have a, a, a category in our thinking for the kind of Jesus that is depicted in the Gospels. Right. right. And no matter what, whether it's Jesus Christ superstar or the passion of the Christ, there hasn't been a well depicted Jesus because there hasn't been anybody who can kind of show the the holy troublemaker that Jesus right. really was. 
And you talk about the story when Jesus encounters the man in the tomb and casts a demon out of him into uh, the herd of pigs that were right there that then subsequently run into the sea. And you kind of say, you know, just think about the economics of this situation for a moment. Like who lost their job? Who lost their money? You right. know, and, and look at the impact here. Jesus came to bring peace because the man ends up kneeling at Jesus' feet clothed and in his right mind. Right. But he came to not bring peace because the whole place is in upheaval. So just right. talk to us a little bit about um, that Jesus that uh, so many of us are missing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, um, I mean, I, I grew up in the faith. I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor. Um, so I'm really, really blessed to have grown up hearing the gospel, hearing um, scripture. But, um, but yeah, I think there's just, there's, it's so easy um, for a number of reasons to be reading along. And I think we've just been, we've inherited and accumulated certain kinds of filters. Um, and we just don't see, we don't hear um, what's really going on. It doesn't, it doesn't hit us in quite the same way. And I think, I think one of the ways that maybe we can start to recover some of that is just if we start paying attention to how people respond to Jesus. So, so in the, in the gospels, I mean, people are constantly responding to Jesus. I mean, there, there's not really anybody that just sort of shrugs their shoulders and says, huh? I mean, everybody's um, either really excited or really mad, um, basically, or really confused. Um, but he, he, that's, that's how he is. And, and then as you, you, so why are they mad or why are they confused or why are they upset? And, and I think it maybe drives us to go back and start reading a little bit more carefully. And, and I think some of those statements where, you know, did Jesus come to bring peace? Well, in one place he says, yes, he came to bring peace. Um, in another place he says, do you think that I came to bring peace? No, I didn't. I came to bring, you know, I, I came to set the world on fire and I came with a sword. Uh, and you know, on the one hand, um, um, we see his, his compassion and, um, his gentleness with people who have been really, uh, mistreated, um, and sinned against. And on the other hand, we see his harshness with, um, people, um, who, um, who are mistreating others and who are leading others astray. And so, yeah, so the, um, I, I try to, I try to pull out a few different scenes, at least where I've initially um, got caught up short where I realized, wow, I, I've never seen these details before. And so, yeah, the healing of the demoniac is one of those, those scenes where, um, yeah, just like more, I thought about it, the more insane it got. And, yeah. and so, you, you know, you've got this massive, um, herd of pigs, um, and, um, and you know, the, the, I mean, it's crazy enough. You got this demoniac, he can't be bound. He's in the tombs. He's running around naked. Um, but then, you know, Jesus, um, heals him. The, the demon says, please don't cast us into the abyss, cast us into these pigs. He does. And the pigs go charging off the cliff into the, into the sea of Galilee. And, 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 and then the, the immediately the people come and they're afraid and they ask him to leave. Yeah. Please, please get out of here. And, um, and, you know, and you think initially like, but look, he just, he just solved your town's problem. Yeah. You know, like you got the crazy guy in the tombs and like, look, he's clothed and in his right mind, but, but Jesus probably just ruined their local economy. Right. I mean, that many pigs is worth a lot of money. Um, I mean, the, yeah, as you noted, the economic um, impact is enormous. Um, you know, I, I started thinking about what is that many pigs rotting on the edge of the Sea of Galilee do ecologically? 
Right. Like, you know, like, yeah. It was like, I mean, like, I mean, maybe it, maybe it's not quite as bad as I think, but like for a while, it probably at least stunk really bad for sure. Um, you know, did it kill a lot of fish? I mean, I don't know. Like it's just, it's crazy. And, um, but you know, the, how many people lost their jobs? Um, it probably, um, Decapolis, that's a, it's a, a Roman name. So it's probably, um, an area that's been heavily Hellenized probably all the, I mean, you think about pigs, those are unclean animals for Jews. Yep. So this is, this is a bunch of Gentiles and probably they have a pagan temple over there and the pigs are being used in pagan worship. So that's, you know, it's just disrupted society and culture and community in a massive way. So of course they're like, please get out of here, please leave. Well, uh, and I, and I love the picture that you kind of, and, and I mean, I admit I've, I've preached through this text. I've read this text, uh, so many times and I'd never kind of seen the scope that you began to kind of unfold in the book just by asking those kinds of questions. And uh, one of the things that kind of stood out to me is, so Jesus comes, he meets this man, he heals this man, brings peace to this man, mm-hmm. and then gets back in his boat and leaves and everything else is in upheaval, right? right. <laughs> and you're kind of like, wow, good trip, Jesus, right? right. <laughs> and and we, and we don't really, we don't really expect that. We don't see those angles in the story. And so often the Jesus that we see is the safe Jesus. And I'm just, I'm reminded right of, of Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe when uh, yeah. Beaver kind of responds and says, of course, Aslan isn't safe, right? He's not a tame lion. Right. And, uh, and this is the Jesus that we see. He's not a tame savior. Right. Um, he, he leaves things in upheaval. Um, and, and I just don't think we're looking for those parts of the story. Right. So, so, you know, when's the last time a missionary returned and said, you know, um, had one convert and ruined the economy? And would we see that as success? Exactly, exactly. And and so many missions agencies would say, well, we're not really sure this is working out. Uh, Maybe you're not called to this, you know? Right. Um, Whereas, you know, that's success. I I don't remember if I, it's been a little while I should know this. I can't remember how much, if I noted this in in, uh, Bloodbot World or not, but one of the other um, places where I've thought about this more and more has just been the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, I mean, it's, um, I, I, I talk to my, my, um, I, I teach homiletics. I teach a preaching class for, uh, Greyfriars Hall, um, here in Moscow. And, um, and I point out to them that, you know, the book of Acts is ba- basically, um, evangelism, you know, by riot. Right. You know, right. so like everywhere, everywhere Paul goes, riots break out basically. Yeah. And, but it's, it's really striking if you read it carefully, um, you know, Luke is, telling this story. I mean, actually it starts with, you know, obviously Peter and John, even before Paul joins, yep. and they're, they're preaching and getting in trouble, yep. getting thrown in prison, being told, stop preaching. They come out and just keep on preaching. And, and so at every turn, you know, then, you know, Stephen is preaching and then Stephen is stoned. And then the, 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 you know, the disciples are scattered and, uh, over, over and over again, um, you know, the, the, the thing happens that we think if that got on the front page of the newspaper, like most of the Christians in town would cringe, yeah. you know, pastor thrown into jail. Oh, it's not, that's not good for your testimony. Um, you know, it's, Oh no, uh, you know, so sorry. And, and, but you look at the apostles and they're rejoicing, yeah. you know, that, that they got thrown in jail for preaching the gospel and no, we're not going to obey you. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. And Stephen gets stoned. I mean, that's a really horrific thing. It's the first martyr. Yeah. And yet, and yet it says that God added many to their number. Yeah. And, and they were scattered and we think, oh no, see, look, it didn't work out. You should have, you know, should have had a, you know, sit down, 
roundtable discussion with the city officials. That's the way to, you know, but no, the way that, that God spreads the gospel, the way he wins is through the folly and disruption of, of preaching. And then, you know, so they all get scattered and then, you know, Paul comes into the scene, he starts preaching and immediately he's in trouble and, and riots break out, he's arrested, he's stoned, he's chased out of town. But if you read carefully through the book of Acts, Luke is actually anticipating our thought that, oh no, (laughs) oh no, oh, this this is, you know. This is going bad. And and at the end of each scene, almost every single time, Luke says, he gives us a summary statement of of the results. And almost every single time it says, and many people were encouraged. Many of the believers yeah. were greatly encouraged. Many of the leading women of the city were converted to Jesus. And, you know, over and over again, it's a, and you're like, oh, oh, oh. You know, and then at the very end of the book is, you know, of course, Paul goes down to Jerusalem. He's arrested. Uh, again, you think, oh, no. And Paul is having a ball preaching to all these rulers. You know, he's in prison for a while, but he's, he keeps having opportunities to preach. And then he gets a, a free ride to Rome. Right. This is like, you know, all expense paid trip to Rome. They, they think, you know, it's where Paul always wanted to go. I always wanted to go to Rome. Right? That, you know, the book of Romans is him explaining that. I, I've, I've been trying to get there. He was waiting for he was waiting for the all expense paid trip by Rome to get there. He gets there. And of course, the book of Acts ends with him under house arrest. Yeah. You know, Rome thinks they got him. And the very last verse, of course, of the book of Acts is there he was preaching daily, um, completely unhindered. You know, and, and so we, we think these things, um, you know, people are offended, people are upset. Um, the, we think these things are bad for the gospel. But if, you, if we're reading the gospels and we're reading Acts and we're reading Paul, what we ought to recognize is that this is actually the way of faithfulness and it's actually good for the gospel. It's actually how God builds the church. And, and so that, go, that goes right back to your original question, though, is I think, I think we've read back into Jesus and into the gospels a very nice Jesus who does what everybody thinks you ought to do at any given point, rather than seeing that, no, Jesus came as a massive disruption. Yeah, uh, He comes to interrupt. And that doesn't mean he isn't gracious. He is gracious. He is kind. He is merciful. But he is not at all what people expected. And fundamentally, the reason we know that is because they killed him. Yeah, It wasn't just that he was unexpected and weird. He was unexpected and offensive. Well, and, 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 and that we, was one of... We need to be getting that kind of reaction. The pe- people respond with that kind of anger. Yeah. And you, then you know you're starting to get right. Yeah. And that was one of the things that made me first pick up your book. Uh, the question on the back is, what made Jesus so killable? And I right. thought to myself, you know, I, I don't know that I have a good enough answer for that question. Right. Because the Jesus that we so often preach is the Jesus who's seeking peace in the city, right? That's a big buzz thing that Christians are yeah. talking about nowadays. But we forget that what Jesus' peace looked like was city in an upheaval and a man freed from the demon, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, and this this kind of goes to another part in the book that I thought was was great. You you talked about um, how authority is the ability to name and how offensive it is in our current culture for Christians to have the audacity to say that we know what's true. Right. And um, and so you you kind of talk about finding this line between the quarrels that James says uh, we are initiating because of our own lusts right. and, um, and then the, the other side of being so nice that we're, we're more like Boy Scouts than Christians. So where is that middle line? Where is that line? Um, help us think about at least how to look for that line between 
the right. um, the audacity to name and to say God has said, and right. uh, and yet not being those people who are just uh, slaves to our own flesh and like winning arguments, those trolls online that you know what does this look like? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's the question. <laughs> um, uh, well, James, you know, James opens the book by just saying you need wisdom, right? You know, yeah, anybody doesn't ask sure. doesn't have wisdom, you need wisdom. So, I mean, that's one answer. But I think um, I think another answer is um, that we need to practice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you you know you don't wake up one day and say, oh, I know, I'll, I'll run a marathon. You know, well, if you want to die, that's yeah. you know, that's a good, good idea. But typically, if you want to run a marathon, you know, you get on a plan and, you know, if you're like me and you haven't run in years, you know, you would have to, you know, start by, you know, I'm going to run around the block once, come home and, you know, pass out and I'll, you know, run, do it twice tomorrow and, you know, and so on. Yep. But, um, but we have to, we have to practice. Um, and so, so yeah, so we have the Bible clearly has lots of warnings about the tongue, um, about words, um, words are powerful. Uh, James says that, you know, the tongue can do great damage. Um, it can set whole words on fire. Anybody who's tamed the tongue is a perfect man. Um, and, and, you know, there's many other warnings about, um, uh, you know, being argumentative in a fleshly way, um, being impatient, being rude, uh, being, being unkind. Um, and so we've got that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, we have Paul in a lot of arguments, Jesus in a lot of arguments. The prophets aren't always what we would consider polite. Right. Um, and so, um, and so that means that there is a, a faithful way. There is a righteous way. And so, um, uh, and, and, and part of the point of course, is just to recognize that this is actually the fact that words are powerful. The, the fact that words cut the fact that words bite and punch and so on is actually by design. Um, the word of God is a sword. That's right. It's, it's a two-edged sword. It's it's actually meant for cutting. It's actually meant, um, you know, for um, for slicing, and um, and so the, we need to wield it with wisdom. We need to wield it with love, um, but we need to wield it. Yeah. And um, and I think so. You know, uh, that's those are the principles. And then I think you practice. I think you um, you surround yourself with. Um, Godly men, in particular, who understand these principles, um, who who recognize um, we have a war to fight, we have um, sin to kill in our own lives and in our families and in the culture around us, and this is war, um, and it means fighting. And at the same time, um, men who know you and love you well enough to hold you accountable. Yeah, um, is that response uh, a response of anger? Was that response a, a response of of, uh, of just defensiveness? Um, yeah, no, no, it, we we can't respond that way. Um, if if we're responding in in a, you know in a defensive, angry way, uh, if we have to win every argument, if we have to respond to every taunt, then no, that's not that's not Christ. Um, Christ oftentimes you know didn't respond, <laughs> um, but he certainly did respond. Um, in a, in a, in a consistent enough way that got him in trouble, and we need to be praying that God will lead us into holy trouble. Yeah, and I, uh, I so I'll just jump to this part, this question that I had for you. Then, um, so I mean, I, I think that's great advice in terms of surrounding yourself with other people who are engaged in this war, 
And uh, in the book, you, you talk about the Exodus. You talk about God leading his people out of Egypt and yeah. how I, I can't remember it's six times or eight times um, that the word army is used in that episode. Right. And it's never referred. I mean, we tell that story in Sunday school, right? And then Pharaoh's yeah. armies let like right. they, they chased the, you know, the ragtag bunch of Moses uh, slaves. Right. Um, and and yet God calls his people the armies. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we're, we're part of an army. And I guess uh, my question then is, what does being engaged in that? What does knowing you're part of the war? What does that do for how you're fighting in the war? Knowing that God calls you a soldier, knowing that God calls you his part of His army. Right. So, so one of the ways we could answer that is to ask the question: What did the Israelites do? Yeah. Um, and um, you know, and it's it's striking, you know, how well on the one hand, sort of in one sense, how little they did. Yeah. Um, you know, they they kind of complained and fussed about Moses making their lives more difficult <laughs> in the middle of him breaking, you know, trying to break them out. Um, but, you know, they, um, they obeyed God. Um, you know, God said, um, kill a lamb and put blood on your door. Yeah. Uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. And um, ask your neighbors uh, for stuff. You know, like they, they you know, they're supposed to ask their neighbors yep. for, for stuff. Uh, send, you know, going away presents, yep. you know, <laughs> we're going away now. Uh, do you have anything for me? Um, and, and then they, you know, pack up their belongings. They keep sandals on their feet. They have a staff in their hand, they eat their meal in haste and they wait on the Lord. And then they get word that Pharaoh says, get out of here, go. I'm, yeah. I've had enough of you. And, um, and so it's, I guess the fundamental thing, of course, is just is just obedience. Yeah, um, they obey, and I guess, and I guess the point though is that they obey maybe when it doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah, they obey good. when it doesn't seem to add up. Like, how is putting blood over our doors going to do anything for us? Yeah, how is getting rid of all of the leaven in our house and eating flatbread going to do anything for us? How is you know eating this meal with our sandals on and stabs in our hand? I mean, you know. It's just sort of this odd kind of thing. And I think there's, there's a pattern running all the way through the Bible that God calls on his people to obey him. And when he calls them to obey him, they, it's, it's always a little odd. Right. It's always a little different. It doesn't add up and it doesn't seem to make sense, but that's what faith um, does. Yeah. Um, faith believes God. So, so practically then I would, you know, I'd say, you know, well, it means things like, um, you know, for a man to, um, to really love his wife. You know, like God says, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her and lead her, wash her with the water of the word. Um, love her like your own body. Um, you know, be that kind of man. Right. And you're like, what, what is that going to do? Well, I don't know, but do it. Do it. You know, actually, it says it's going to make her lovely. Yeah. Um, and, and you need to, you know, discipline your children. Um, teach them to obey. Teach them to love the Lord. Um, spank them. Um, in love and, and, and give them that kind of grace. You say, well, how does that work? How is, what, how, what good is it going to do? Well, you know, it doesn't matter actually right. uh, in a certain way. You don't need to understand how it works. You need to obey the one who, who does understand. Yeah. Um, you know, I think central, of course, also, I, th I think um, running through the Exodus story is, I mean, they, they worshiped God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Putting, the, putting the blood over the doorway, that, that meal, the Passover meal was a, was a, um, was a, it was like a communion meal. It was, it was the, it's, it's the type of our communion meal. Um, they, they go through the sea, which Paul says later on, that was a type of baptism. 
and they get to the other side and they have a worship service. They're singing and praising God. Um, running all through that is, is this motif of just worshiping God. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how can we bring down the citadels of unbelief um, and in our world? Well, worship God. Go, go gather with God's people on Sunday morning, break bread, share wine, proclaim the gospel, baptize those who believe, um, and sing his praises. Um, and and what, is, what happens when Israel does that? Egypt is left in ruins, yeah. and God's people go free. Yeah. Um, and you know, it doesn't add up. You, know, you put a little water on a baby's head. How, how's that going to conquer kingdoms? Um, it doesn't. You're just obeying God. Right. Uh, and it's by his power, right? So yeah. we don't, we're, not, we're not bringing down these kingdoms by our might and our strength and our power. We bring down these kingdoms by being obedient. And you could make a list of other you know, things. Why do, how does singing psalms bring down the kingdoms? Well, God's the one who's bringing down the kingdoms. We sing the psalms. Right. Um, he, he says to gather together. He says to obey him, and we obey him. And you, you know, keep going. You, you know, tell the truth. Tell the truth no matter what. Go to work. Tell the truth. Um, don't cut corners. Don't lie. Don't deceive. Tell the truth. That's obedience to God. He says, always tell the truth. Yeah. Um, don't steal. Don't take what's not yours, even if everybody else does it. Clock in at the right time. Don't clock out at the wrong time. Um, you know, uh, if you make a mistake, go back and make it right. Go back and confess. If you lied, tell your boss you lied. If you lied to a, a coworker, tell him you lied. Say, please forgive me. I'm a Christian. Right. I don't lie. If you took something that's not yours, give it back. Do restitution, pay it back, and, and whatever else needs to be paid back to make it right. Confess your sin. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, why do we, how does it, we think, you know, repenting of sin, you know, like, oh, no, now they're going to think I'm a loser. Repenting of a sin, we think that's, you know, it's going to make me look bad. No. God says when you repent of sin, it, that, he blesses it. You want to bring down kingdoms? Christians, repent of your sin. Confess your sins to one another. Forgive one another. Get rid of your bitterness. Get rid of your anger. Forgive your dad. Forgive your mom. Um, Those are simple acts of obedience that will bring down the kingdoms of darkness. Um, That's what it means to be the armies of God. That's that's awesome. I'm just thinking about, you know, there will be people who are saying, well, that doesn't add up, like you said, right? The blood over the doors. How does that actually save us? Well, it does. You're not the one adding it up. God is. Right. Just like right. walking around a, a fortified city seven times doesn't topple towers. It does if God yes. says to do it, right? That's right. And, and so that's the, the the obedience, and and God wins the battles. That's amen. A, that, yeah, yeah, amen. Absolutely. Um, so there there are a couple other questions. I know uh, you're a little pressed for time. Uh, one thing that I I we know that judgment begins in the house of God. We all want to see the kingdoms of darkness toppled. Um, but uh, for us, and, and you talk a lot in the book about how idols come from fear. And yes. so if you just had a couple of idols that you think that the North American church has bought into, um, what would you say are some of the main idols that we've bought into that are uh, harming our witness? Uh, I think one of the central one is respectability. Yeah. Uh, we we care about what the world thinks about us in completely wrong ways. Uh, we want to be respectable. We want to be thought as you know intelligent, clean cut, whatever. Um, and we you know depending on which which high priest you're trying to please, you know sometimes people do this in an academic way. They want to be respectable to academics. Some people want to be respectable to the you know whoever the kind of the slick mega church pastors are the 
you know, the gospel coalition, whatever's, um, and the, um, and, or you, you know, the, they want to be cool and sexy. And so they have rock bands and strobe lights and, you know, ripped jeans. Um, but all of those are just, you know, you know, again, and I don't really care about your uniform per se, but, but the, but if you're doing it because you're trying to get them to like you, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to be cool. Um, you know, you're, you're just, it's just a setup for compromise with the world. Right. Um, and, and so I think fundamentally one of our biggest idols is respectability. Um, and that's the fear of man. Um, we are afraid of what people think of us, um, rather than fearing God. Um, we need to fear God. We need to care most of all what God thinks of us and we need to do it no matter what anyone else thinks. Um, and that has all kinds of downstream effects because fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. (laughs) You, You don't know how to obey God if you don't fear him. That's right. That's right. Uh, and, um, and I, and so I think, I think we, um, we, and there's, you know, one of the downstream effects of that, and it, it actually ties back into the, what we were just saying about, um, uh, um, God being the Lord of armies and, and him being the one who fights for us. Um, I, I think there are a lot of ways in which we subtly think that God needs our help. Yeah. And so we're, we, we pretty up things for him. We, we put it, you know, we put a bow on it for him. We, we don't, you know, so, and we, this goes back to reading the Bible. We don't preach the Bible as it actually is. We don't read the Bible as it actually is. We skip over the verses that are confusing or offensive, um, or we pretend them away. Um, and, but God doesn't need our help. Yeah. Um, and whenever we think God needs our help, we, we are, we are shooting ourselves in the foot Yeah. because, yeah. because we, we suck at saving sinners. Amen. Yeah. We, we need God. We need him. He's the one who saves sinners. And so, um, I think, you know, lots of other idols, respectability, uh, wanting to be cool, wanting to be intelligent, wanting to be, um, look good. Um, and I think all of those things add up to us making many, many small compromises that add up to massive disobedience. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, just to respect your time, I I just jumped to one last question because when I started listening to you on cross politic, uh, and I heard you're the pastor, right? There's the, <laughs> there's <Yeah>. you Chuck <laughs> Knox and, uh, and the water boy. But, uh, when I heard that you were the pastor, I said, okay, let me, let me go see what this guy's all about. And I downloaded the Trinity reformed app, started listening to a couple of sermons and you had an analogy in one sermon that I just, just kind of, it stuck with me ever since you're talking about the kingdom of God and God bringing his kingdom and advancing his kingdom, much like we're talking about now, he's doing the work and you compared it to a Rubik's cube. And, (laughs) and you talked about how, you know, in order to complete the Rubik's cube, the person solving it needs to break completed sides so that he can complete the whole side. And, and it was just such a good analogy in terms of, for those of us with an optimistic eschatology, we, yes. we, we, we hear about, um, you know, some of the things that, uh, if you live north of the border, then you might complain less about Trump. Um, Trudeau is, yeah. uh, is pretty evil and he's making some, some pretty bad decisions about, uh, uh, parents' rights to raise their own kids. And every time something happens, we have a tendency to freak out about it and feel like, does God not know what he's doing here? So do you want to just talk to that a little bit about um, why believing that God is in control of the story and where he's taking it is so important to being engaged in this war? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that week I had seen that this video and I mentioned it in the sermon, I think, yeah, of this right. little kid, this little kid. And I don't know, maybe like seven or eight or nine years old. 
and and he's got a blindfold on, and he's holding this this Rubik's cube, and he just he's he, well, no, I'm sorry, he doesn't have the blindfold on. He's looking at the Rubik's cube, and, and a timer starts, and he's looking at it, and it's you know it's all mixed up, and he's he keeps looking at it, looking at it, and you're thinking his time is running out, his time is running, and you think oh no, and then you start panicking for him, and then suddenly he puts the blindfold on, and then starts flipping this thing insane. And, and so, I mean, it's like, you know, compounding it. Like, I can't even do a Rubik's Cube with my eyes open yeah. <laughs> if I had all along. I know there's tricks and whatever, but I don't know them. And, um, and so, but, but it, just, it just dawned on me that, you know, you're watching that and you're, and you're thinking, no, 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 no. You know, like, yeah. it, it's, it's not going right. It's not going right. You're, 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 turn, you're, yeah, you're breaking that completed side. You're, 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 you're taking it backwards and you're undoing it. And, um, and, 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 it, and it dawned on me, you know, the Lord, I mean, I look at that and you look at people who have these amazing skills yeah. and the reason why we smile and we laugh and we delight in that, I mean, it's, that's called glory. Yeah. That's what it's called. When somebody can do something like that, it's called glory. And they got that from the Lord of glory. They Amen. got that from God. And, and so if, if, if a, a little kid can do that with the Rubik's cube, how much more so is our God in charge of all these things? How much more so is our God the one who's telling this story? How much, how much more so is he the one? Um, and, and he does it his way because he's the Lord. Yeah. And, he, and he knows the right way. He knows the best way, and we don't. Yeah. And so he finishes a side, and then he breaks that side. And he finishes another side, and he breaks that side because he knows the only way to finish it right is to do it that way. Um, he, he's, he's not safe. He's not tame. But he is good. Amen. And and in the center of that, of course, is is the death and resurrection. Amen. Right? How how could the biggest miscarriage of justice in the history of the world be the way that God would save the world? Right. Well, it can't unless God is in it. That's right. Right. That's, that's right. So so the so the crucifixion of Jesus, his burial, his death, and his resurrection. That's the center. I mean, that's what it means to be a Christian. Amen. To put all your hope on that. And if we put all our hope on that then how much more so is God completely free to do that with the loss of a job, with the loss of a child, with broken families, with, with the, with the corrupt government, with corrupt churches. I mean, God is not bound. Um, and he always, he raises the dead. Yeah. And if he raises the dead, then we, we're, we're never, we're never trapped. We're never trapped. Amen. I feel like that's the mic drop right there. We don't even need to keep going. That's uh Okay. That, that was awesome. Um, thanks so much for uh, the time you gave us, uh, Toby. I, I just want to give you the last word. Uh, I, I've been greatly blessed by uh, not only the podcast that the three of you are doing, but also just by your preaching ministry, your, your author, or your, uh, your blog, your books. Uh, so just give our, our people uh, just some, some places where they can find you and get connected to, to what you're doing. Sure. Well, um, I, I write sporadically on my blog it's tobyjsumter.com um and or you can search having two legs um and uh you'll find me there um i think if you search in the app store you can find uh, uh the trinity reformed church app yep. and that's where my sermons are, are regularly posted um yeah uh, bloodbot world i also wrote a book um called a son for glory uh which is on the book of job and um and uh um, that may be helpful to some of your listeners. Um, I don't know. I think that might be it. I, um, I, you know, one last thought, I'll just throw this out there. Yeah. Um, the, uh, my, uh, I just read this last, last couple of weeks reread, uh, 
uh, something I read a long time ago, but it's a it's the introductory essay by J.I. Packer um, in John Owen's The Death of Death. Yep. And and for people, for pastors, for anybody really who I think wants to kind of get their head and their heart around um, the glory of the sovereignty of God, um, particularly in salvation, but there's all kinds of analogous applications. I just reread the essay, and the essay is just phenomenal. It's just phenomenal. It's it's wonderful. Um, it's online. You can find it online. Search for J.I. Packer's Introduction to the Death of Death. Um, I heartily commend it to you. I, I It's warmed my heart. I think it will warm yours, too. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Uh, thanks again for your time. And uh, may the Lord bless all that uh, you put your hands to, Toby. Hey, it's great to talk, Nate. And thanks for the invitation. And God bless you and your ministry. Well, Pudi, how disappointed are you that you missed that interview? I, I, I don't know if I've ever been like truly mad at you. But I'm like, I'm like a little bit upset that yeah. I was not, it's not, yeah, I'm just playing. I'm not actually mad at you. I'm just very upset yeah. that I didn't get a chance to just sit there and just listen to it. Yeah. Alive with him. So he's, uh, but- uh, he's solid. And, uh, and I mean that, that idea that, um, basically that obedience to the commands of God and then God's the one who wins the battles, um, is just, uh, is just a, a phenomenal theme. And, uh, I had a really good time kind of, uh, maneuvering our way there. So I would recommend to anybody Bloodbot world. Uh, I would encourage you, uh, all to go and check out Toby Sumter. He's a guy worth following. His books are worth, uh, buying and his podcast is worth listening to. Um, but, uh, we just want to thank him for being on and giving us his time. Uh, But we also want to thank you for tuning in and listening to the Rebel Alliance Media. Uh, We are uh, on uh, all of the the main podcast catchers. Uh, Find us. Our our episodes release on Wednesdays. Uh, Also, find us on Facebook because on Facebook is where uh, you'll see our videos that drop on Fridays. uh, and, And we interact a lot on Facebook as well. Um, and if you're uh, following us on iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. That helps tremendously. And if you follow us on Facebook, here's a really simple thing that you can do for us. Just hit that share button. Hit that like button. Comment on a video. Uh, get us and our content in the groups that you're in, on your wall. It helps us interact with a broader audience and it helps uh, spread the rebellion. Absolutely. So thanks. Thanks for being with us. And uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.